0: welcome back to episode four this is the episode you've all been waiting for it's honestly i think it's probably going to be one of our best mainly because it's our better halves speaking about uh i guess you could just say coaches backgrounds or coaches uh behind the scenes so but nevertheless uh we have my wife ashley we've got uh tyler and we've got tyler's wife sarah so go ahead and say hello to the the listeners not all of you speak at once
1: hello hello hey hello you can edit which one you want
0: hello all right so let's start with hello my name is (laughs) because i'll be honest with you i know both your voices and i can't tell them the difference right now with the microphones did you say hello i am
1: um hello my name is sarah i'm tyler's wife i'm ashley i'm nick's wife
2: And we are uh, super excited, guys, to, uh, we might trip our way through this, uh, but we do have some uh, notes off to the side through Nick's um, preparation and and wanting to keep things in order. So we are going to try to uh, stick to somewhat of a script tonight in terms of asking some questions and uh, providing some insight, um, or I guess they'll, the the wives will be providing the insight for what it's like to sit in the stands and Be our number one support, be our son's support, but also try not to bring the claws out whenever they hear things that they don't like to hear. So guys, sit back, let's unpack and have some fun with this tonight.
0: I'm already afraid of uh, what this is going to do, my confidence for lack of, but uh, let me first start out by saying this, although I don't say it nearly as much as I probably should, uh, my wife is basically the support system that enables me or our team to be successful even though she is our biggest critic at the same time, she never lets me live down certain decisions of why didn't you send that runner? Why is our son playing outfield? Stuff like that. She's also, I mean, she's also the healthy reminder or the constant reminder of our priorities, what they should be and where they are in the first place. So to speak, the wives of coaches, especially head coaches, uh, the unsung story, uh, that's the idea behind this specific episode is to give the listeners just a little bit perspective of like the wives, right? Like it, all these coaches in pro sports, college sports, just sports in general. Uh, I don't think the wives get enough spotlight mainly because they're the rock, the foundation behind, uh, uh what's really going on, especially the, the, the success stories or the stories of like coaches struggling because they don't have the right personnel, whatever that may be. So Nevertheless, um, I'll take that and I'll kind of segue into asking Sarah, uh, what's, what's one thing you would like to tell potential future head coaches, wives, like what, what's one piece of advice, one thing that you could tell them to kind of look, look out for
1: that if, if their husband is looking into coaching, especially if it's, if they're going in as a career I would give the advice of to remember to be uh, gracious and understanding and to sit as far away from the parents as possible.
2: It's funny you mentioned I that. can actually speak to that. Oh, sorry, Nick. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Tyler. Well, I was going to say, you know, um, it's, it's, I think it's appropriate that Sarah says that because at TSU, which, you know, at that time we weren't necessarily known for winning um, I could all. I always knew where Sarah was going to be, and you could look the furthest way down the left field line on the third base, past the bullpen, practically by the foul pole. That's where she would set up camp. Um, I'd like to think that maybe it was because she didn't want the babies to be crying and as a distraction to the fans. But the reality is, is that um, you know those parents or those fans can be ruthless, especially when you're not winning or you're tasting success on a regular basis.
1: Well, so. I would like to add that. One of I learned this when Tyler actually was coaching travel ball and I don't know I think it's because I'm associated with Tyler but like I don't really know the game in which he coaches and I felt like they wanted to talk game and wanted me to like decipher everything Tyler was doing and like I couldn't answer any of their questions whatsoever because I just didn't know enough about it. I would know more now, but then I was like, I felt like they were just wanting me to explain to them like his coaching moves in which I didn't know any of it. I didn't know anything. And then obviously if they disagreed, they would say something about it. And then I don't know if their hopes was that I would say something to Tyler about it or if they were just saying it I don't know but it started to make me feel uncomfortable because it just kind of to me put me in like a weird spot so that's when I was like you know what I can like better watch the game and support Tyler if I'm just further away and not distracted by like all the parents talking about everything
0: that's I mean that's totally fair uh, Ashley I think you've got some comments or some thoughts and maybe some experiences uh on parents wanting to talk to you during the games
3: Well, of course, I only know it from like the rec league side of things. So not the super competitive, but surprisingly, five, six can get pretty competitive before you know it. And I think as a wife, it's important that you find your role. Nick, you'd always, we had a talk and you told me to stay in my lane and knowing when to put input and when not to put input. And I think with parents, yes, they will have those questions of like, why is the coach doing this? Why is the coach putting my kid here? Or with practices, like, why are they doing this during practice? Like, and I myself, I definitely have my opinions. Um, But I found myself constantly trying to, well, he's doing this, because this child needs to work on this, or, you know, he's not upset. So there's, there's probably no reason why he's like, talking to the ump right now, like, it, it should be fine. Like, it's just it's It's kind of like making some of the parents at ease and trying to like fumble my way through it when I do it. So I I don't know. It's just being supportive, but I'm also being critical and trying to be that middle person, so parents aren't getting all mad or bent out of shape about things that don't really matter.
0: Sounds like in a way, shape, form, like our wives are almost like they're supposed to be like our mind readers, like our interpreters for us.
3: Yeah, I think that like like a good example would be like having a practice. And at no point did the kids practice like hitting and the parents being like, why are the kids not practicing hitting? Well, I don't really know why they're not practicing hitting. And I try to come up with a reason. Um, and I know you have a good one why they're not. Again, it's Sarah that I don't really know the sport. I'm just a parent trying to be a supportive parent and wife. So yeah, it's trying to decipher like, what's, what are you thinking? Why are you doing it this way? And then making the parents be okay with it.
2: So, so- one thing I think that I've, appreciated I'm going to say for Sarah's growth in our conversations is you know specifically for our son's games we'll get in the car first question how do you think the game went and I'm giving a very analytical breakdown right but I think it's gotten to a point where I think Sarah understands the perspective and it's in but at the same time I always I feel like at least Uh, You can correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah, but I always flip it back and be like, "Okay, well, what did you see? Because sometimes and I don't know about this for you, Nick, but I like to get that extra perspective or different perspective, maybe not necessarily on X's and O's. Maybe like they're reading the flow of the game or they're reading an energy of the game, you know, in something that can be something that maybe not as as tactical in terms of a skill set adjustment in practice, but an, an attitude, an effort, a focus. Uh, you know, a missing link that, quite frankly, isn't about making them a better baseball player as much as it's just about having a presence on the field. And that's one thing that I've always tried to extract in my conversations with Sarah is getting her read on the game so that I'm pinging off of the X's and O's that I feel pretty confident that I know, but trying to get the perspective of something just as the bystander behind the fence, you know, not in the action while it's, you know, as I'm sure you you know, Nick, it gets a little uh, um, heated, I guess. Maybe um, we get in the moment in the game.
0: I mean, I think there's there's a lot of emotions uh, involved. Um, but hold on, let's let's back up real quick. Uh, let's give a little bit of background. And Sarah, let's start with you. And then after Sarah, let's go back to Ashley. Like, like give the listeners. You you obviously played sports growing up. If you just want to give them kind of a quick background of like what sports you played, how long you played, which sports, what sort of level you played them at. So, Sarah, sure. let's, let's start with you.
1: Okay, well, my sport background is not very impressive. However, I did play sports. Um, I did play softball rec league when I was really young, and I think I played for a few years. Um, some people may not, I mean, it's arguably a sport. Some people may not count it as a sport, but I did dance for eight years. And then I played basketball for four years, my four years of high school.
0: I consider dance a sport. It's competitive. Okay, Ashley.
3: Yeah. So
1: I played competitive
3: soccer, uh, very early on. I think I was started as young as maybe like four or five playing rec. And I started doing competitive travel ball. I think at about the age of eight, I really started to peek out. At the end of middle school, towards high school, I still played all throughout high school. Still did travel, but yeah, it was it was very competitive. Like our coach was the assistant coach at at MTSU at the time. Like I have memories of being you know cursed down on the sidelines because we were playing bad and we're like twelve years old. I have memories of you know running wind spreads at halftime because we did something wrong. So definitely much or lots of extremes when it came to uh, competitive soccer, but soccer was my, pretty much my only
0: sport. Okay. So now that we have that, I want to provide context to the listeners about the comment about staying your lane. So I don't come across as like some sort of chauvinist <laughs> pig that I think everybody's <laughs> thinking right now. There was a, there was a time that it was after practice, Ashley's asking me a berate of questions about, well, why'd you do this? Why did you do that? Um, and I promise I have a practice plan going into practice. I just, to be fair, I don't share that with my wife. I share it with my assistant coaches um, because there are some times that Ashley won't be able to go, doesn't want to go. We just have different circumstances where just can't bank on her being there 100% of the time. And I, quite frankly, I don't know if she cares about everything that I'm going to discuss or do with the kids. So no, there was, there was some questions she had after practice and she got a little bit passionate about. Well, I think they need to hit more. I think they need to do this. I think they need to do that. Given the lots of input, and it's all valuable. Sometimes my wife can. Uh, I could feel the heat inside of my head right now. <laughs> sometimes my <laughs> I wife. Be can, careful with
2: those next words. Yeah, I
0: know. Uh, she can give a lot of input all at once, and I know it's just for me who run off of like a ninety-eight Del, like Dell processor in my head. It's just it's overwhelming. I I have to like shut it down. It's like look, I just. I need you to just slow down, right? Like just document these, write them in an email so I can con- consume them a lot slower. So it, anyways, it, it, that's where the comment came from of like, okay, look, you're, you're kind of now starting to give advice. I'll give you the one example. Our oldest was in three, four. I'm working on his hitting mechanics. Uh, I want him to make good, solid contact with the ball, but I don't want him to kill it. I don't know if she remembers this. I can't look at it right now. That was literally the words I'd used with our oldest of like, okay, don't kill the ball. I just want you to make good contact and I want you to hit this part right here, this little black dot. And I back up from the tee. We hear the advice. Okay, kill the ball. Kill it. Nope, not what I said. (laughs) Nope, let me. me...
2: Those words
3: were not my words though. (laughs) I didn't say kill it. it.
2: Actually, in all fairness, in all fairness as a hitting coach, I tell every one of my kids, swing big. I think I actually used the words to one of our kids on the team, I want you to hurt this baseball. Um, like, you know, envision like Sandlot, right? And Benny the Jet mm-hmm. kills the ball, not, locks the cover off the ball. Day is over. They're upset, but he hits the living crap out of it. I actually hope that that's what they do. I'll figure out the, the swing path later on down the road, but we don't need to go into the dialogue of a perfect swing. But I will say this um, as we segue into you know, a handful more questions here, Nick, is that I feel like Sarah early on got the wrath of my wrath when it came to my passion of losing. I don't know if I've ever had to use the word stay in the lane. I think Sarah understands, especially if it's a, a tough loss. It's just going to be quiet for a little bit. And, and, and I think Sarah can speak on this, but I don't even usually like the words of encouragement because I feel like I'm like, I don't need the pat on the back. We just lost. Um, I know that. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to think about how I don't have to feel this again. And maybe she's seen it worse with UT football games over actual coaching games.
1: Well, I think, honestly, it's just seeing men be passionate about the sport that they are investing in. And when they lose, like, just with basketball, like, all the guys, if they lost the game, like, it was was horrible. Like, (laughs) they were not – talkative they all didn't want to talk to anybody they'd come out and but it was it was the passion you know they wanted to win the passion to win and do well and then when that doesn't happen or you don't get the outcome um that you want or you feel like you deserve I could see I see that and I respect that so I understand I'm a competitive person as well so I guess I just kind of understand that as well as like especially if it was a rough game and we lost, it's like, okay, we don't really need to talk about this because we know it's a really bad game and why we lost. Um, Like last week? Whatever.
3: Yes. Yeah, I think you very quickly (laughs) learn what car rides are going to be silent on the way home and which ones there's going to be lots of commentary. (laughs) Yes.
0: That is true. You want to give an example, Ashley?
3: Um, I, I can't really think of one off the top of my head of a exact example there have just been times when I remember looking to my mom and be like man I'm really gonna drive this car right home yeah you're just passionate and that silence I think sometimes is needed especially because I'm a very opinionated person and I definitely want to have a conversation about it usually so I just have to tell myself it's not my time and I need to stay in my lane
0: <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> Sarah, well, Stay uh, in the
2: lane. There's the name of the title of the episode. Yeah.
0: <laughs> my reputation online is just going to be this male chauvinist pig. I can already see it. Uh, my parents will be so proud. Uh, Sarah, what is it like, uh, although it didn't really happen all that much, but what what is it like when Tyler's coaching a team and his, his team doesn't win? Let's say, not, not necessarily car ride home. What is it like? 24 hours they're at.
1: um I'm trying to think of like it really just depends on how the players play and how Tyler feels he coached um I think if Tyler thinks you know everyone played well their head was in the game they worked hard you know I coached a really good game but you know we got out coached or like they were, they were just, you know, had a perfect game. Like the attitude is better. Um, It's more optimistic. There's more positivity, but there's still like, man, like I wish we really could have, you know, that one play, I wish we could have. So it was more like being able to talk about maybe some, some of the errors that happened or maybe a bad call on his part, being a coach, like, man, I really should have called it this way. Versus if there's like the kid, like the kids, like this is just in general, just from all the coaching I've seen them do. Like if they're having a really like, you know, a like a core player is having a really bad mental day and they just tank, you know, and it's really frustrating and I can see that. And it's, and I can honestly see Tyler trying to figure out how to coach that. And it's tough because you know, that particular mindset of that one player could potentially go to the other players and create a whole mood for the whole game, right? And eventually, obviously, like, if those games are lost, then it is like a very, um, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it, you know, type, like, not even really wanting to talk about the good things that happen, but just really just like disappointed, I guess, and just feeling like, like, yeah, like, we usually just don't talk about those things. (laughs) and Like, it's just kind of something we just move on from, um, especially if there's just nothing, like, great to say about it. Um, So, I think there's just, like, two different kinds of scenarios. Well, there's really a bunch of different scenarios, really, but those are the kind of the two that just, like, stick out to me. So, it's, you know, sometimes, you know, there are ones that, you can walk away and still be proud of. And then there's the other ones maybe that are just a little bit more disappointing. And so those ones are the ones where we just don't talk about it. We move on versus the other type, which we we are able to pick out the good things and the constructive things and have a little bit more detailed conversation about.
0: So let me kind of hold your feet to the fire on this. I think, Uh I think I know Tyler well enough to make this comment. If you can control the controllables and you can only do what you can do, but the other team's just having literally the perfect game. I think everybody like it, I, I, I'm relating to this. I'm okay with that loss, right? Like I say, okay with it. Like there's a lot to be learned from the certain things that happen. Right. But in a situation where you get out coached, right? Right like your players are performing at a high level. You just put Billy Bob fifth as opposed to fourth in the lineup, or you didn't prepare X, whatever. I guess I'm getting a little bit off track. What is it like with a head coach or an assistant coach, regardless of whatever capacity, where he he feels he didn't do his part, or like maybe not he didn't do his part. He just got out coached because... Just any other coach where it just it, it happens to be that that coach clearly has, you know, 35 years of experience and, and Tyler has 15, right? I'm just throwing numbers out. How do you think, well, what what advice would you have for, for households, wives, spouses of coaches in those, those really tough situations?
1: So, I mean, I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but... I think it's best to question it. And here's what I mean is Tyler, what I've seen with Tyler and I, and I think Tyler literally is, is one of the best coaches I've seen coach just from the experience of what I've seen so far. And I've had, you know, coaches before. And so I think it's okay to accept that you've been out coached, but I think it's also good to sit there and question like, okay, how could I have done this differently to maybe not have been out coached? But t- because you're constantly learning, you're constantly pushing yourself to maybe get out of your comfort zone and make a different coaching call that maybe you were scared to do because you were intimidated by the 35 year, you know, coaching experience coach. Um, and I know with Tyler. He's not necessarily, like he'll accept it. He's he, it's definitely more of an acceptance if he knows he's been out coached. I've heard him say it, you know, like I just got out coached, you know. But I also heard him like go through the game and be like, you know, man, I should have done this here or I should have done that there, just to kind of like not beat himself up, but to me, just to like better his coaching for future games, you know, because at the end of the day like coaching, you're in charge of a lot of kids out there who are just as passionate and determined to win a game as you are, you know, arguably. And you don't want to lead them astray all the time or get uncoached all the time, you know. So I think it's healthy to um I may question it, it's not the right word, but just to kind of like go back and be like, yeah, I got out coached. But where where are some areas that maybe I could have done differently that maybe would have changed that that fact of
2: the game well and i'll say this too over the years um as sarah's gotten more comfortable i don't go sarah will never know a practice plan of mine um i don't think she ever cares to know my practice plans um the only dialogue pre-game that we'll ever have is if i'm about to make a big move case in point this year i i didn't think i thought we were leaving too much meat on the table uh, offensively we could have scored a lot more runs we're going up against at that time would have been the biggest showdown um at, at the part of this this particular you know season and i told sarah i'm gonna make a big offensive move and you know boldly she was like are you sure like this is a kind of a big game to test the waters i was like yeah i've run it in my head i've run the strategy i feel confident and um You know, in this instance, it played out right. Um, We responded through a little bit of adversity. We played a a great game. Um, The lineup changes that I made, I felt like were very impactful in that game. Um, But yeah, I I totally, you know, Sarah's also been like, okay, well, you got out coached. How? What could you have done different? And, And Nick, you've already kind of started to experience this a little bit it only gets amplified at like the college level and it, it, like at the high school and we're going through like a state playoff run. Like I, I just remember every game and every play and every pitch count, Like maybe not every pitch count, but I'm running all of those highlighted moments. Where could I have done this differently? Did I do this right? Um, you know, and uh, a lot of self-reflection. Uh, I probably actually reflect more on the wins than I do the losses just because I'm like, okay, yeah, was that luck or was that a good strategy? Um, okay, we won six to three. How could we have made this game more comfortable? Um, so there's a lot of uh, you know, analyzing of the game that runs through my head, no matter win or loss. It's fair.
0: Yeah. So, Sarah, do you have something else to add to that? Nope. Ashley, what's, what's one thing you would you wish you could change about the coaching dynamic or like the relationship of being the wife of a head coach?
3: Well, I think that's, excuse me. I think this is very like personality driven. I have a very strong personality. So sometimes I just think certain things should be done a certain way. Like I have an opinion. I don't think every wife would necessarily have that reaction to that question, if that makes sense.
2: So I'll kind of swing this over and, and Ashley, you can still have the mic, but, um, okay. but I'll also say this as, as Sarah to jump in off of this question, Nick is what are some of the surprises that you didn't anticipate when you got pulled alongside the coaching journey that were rather good or bad? If this is your chance, Sarah. You can let it rip. I
1: thought, I thought you were letting,
2: um, just... well, yeah, yes, I'm, but I'm just I'm, saying, like, I'm still think
1: thinking
3: so. If you if you have something, Sarah, go
1: because I'm still thinking. Okay, what was your question?
2: (laughs) (laughs) What What were some of the uh, unforeseen, good or bad uh, things that came that came along with being the coach's wife?
1: Sacrifice, like sacrifice of time, because you know the first time it actually hit me in a negative way was when you started coaching college softball. And you gave me your schedule and we had either just had a baby or about to have a baby. I literally had no idea that he was going to be gone like three or four days at a time, almost like every weekend for like three months. And, you know, I'm a hairdresser and so I work on Saturdays and like, I guess he thought I like knew But I didn't and it was not communicated very well. And I remember literally like he sent the schedule in a text message and I literally just started like crying because I was like, how in the world am I going to work and take care of a kid, you know, find child care while he's like gone? Like, I just had no idea. And so But I also knew this was like something he's really passionate about. He's wanted to do. And that was just, it was rough. I'm not going to lie to you. It was rough. Like I fought it more than I thought I was going to. Um, I wasn't super supportive. (laughs) I'd be supportive when the games were close, but then the moment he'd like go away. I mean, I was just irritated, you know, and but I you know later real you know you learn like okay this is just like you know I'm just going to sacrifice what I feel like is supposed to be happening and I have to realize like if he's going to do this then it requires his time like he's going to have to you know invest his time into these games and these tournaments and these players and and recruiting and like all this stuff and I want him to be successful and so it was something that I had to learn to be okay with, but it was a sacrifice like for both of us. I feel like just like that time, not being there for just those months. It wasn't like that year round, but it was just that in season month. And then he traveled a little bit in the summer, but to me, there's probably a few more, but that was the biggest, that was the biggest one for me. Did I answer your question, Tyler? I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, no, that was fine. Yeah, and then oh, okay. whatever Ashley, wherever Ashley wants to jump in on that.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, I haven't had to sacrifice a whole lot, luckily, with it just being rec. But one of the things that I was surprised with was, I guess, the friendships that came out of it. We in rec league, it's very random. Um, at least in our situation, it was as far as like who are your assistant coaches going to be, like who, what kind of players are you going to get. Like, we didn't really know anybody when we went into it. And um, I think we've been very blessed with some families that we've been able to come in contact with directly on our team and then indirectly, you know, with, you know, you guys. And I think that I I was, I thought it would just be this thing where like our son would play t-ball and baseball and we'd go to a game and have some practices and then the season be over. And there really wouldn't be that like sense of camaraderie until like it got more serious when he got older. And I think that we've Mm -hmm. made some like really cool relationships because of baseball and I think I was like pleasantly surprised at like how I want to say invested my family became solely because of the relationships that we made from a simple you know rec league
2: yeah I think that's huge Ashley because at least for my playing career with with baseball and you know taking it all the way to the point of you know almost playing college baseball is when I think about like my wedding for example Sarah you'll probably know the exact number but I think it was four out of the nine groomsmen were guys that I played baseball with from like 11 U all the way up to my uh glory days being finished up and it was just those lifelong you know relationships that actually started in rec ball and we had a core and that core moved to travel ball and then that travel ball team you know we played it all the way out till 18 U, and um it was really rewarding, you know, and it's something that, you know, Nick and I have talked about, like, what if that's our son's journey? You know, uh, we've, we've been kind of planting that seed, you know, for what that, you know, what the potential next steps might look like. And to me, that's always the big overriding, you know, I think from the coaching side, yeah, a few wins and losses, uh, mostly hopefully wins and accolades, you know, tournament victories, you know, whatever, regular season championships, but um, it's that community piece that, Creates so much more value that to me kind of, um, goes beyond just the, you know, the baseball diamond, you know, it can, it can become a, a real powerful piece, you know, for friendships. And, um, I mean, heck y'all are, y'all are the biggest example of it. You know, Nick, we started talking, we now do this podcast. Y'all come to church with us, you know, just over the utility of baseball.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think there's something to be said about the community aspect and if anything that's that's another kind of indicator of what this episode's about, right? Like it's 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 a lot deeper than just Tyler know you hate this saying just a game.
2: Is it just a game?
0: <laughs> I'm sure that that's <laughs> it's saying, just, it's just a game, game.
1: we're watching.
0: <laughs> What's it, <that>, Sarah?
1: <laughs> so it depends on what game we're watching.
0: Yeah. Um, listen,
2: I've gotten way better about my UT sports, okay? I've gotten better. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, babe. <laughs> Nick, what other like if we had like one big question, and then we'll kind of just go off of a few little topics where, you
0: know uh, Ashley and Sarah to jump in on, and then we'll look to kind of close it out. I mean, I, the but, only but your list, yeah, yeah. The only other question I don't think we answered. I mean, we've kind of answered a lot of these. Is uh, what's one thing you love about youth sports? And like Ashley, let's let's kind of start with you on that. What's if you if you could pinpoint one specific thing about youth sports that you enjoy or that you love? The idea, whatever it may be. What is it? And Sarah I'm coming to you. So start thinking on that.
3: I think my answer is gonna be pretty much the same. And it's gonna be like the community. Again, we were thrown in with a bunch of random kids. We didn't really have a bunch of reserves, so call it from what you would say. And I look forward to like going and watching my son play and sitting on the sidelines and talking with the parents and like we've become friends. Like we become, you know, like, I look forward to seeing them and talking with them and watching the game with them. And that's not even like you guys. Like, we're not even on the same team. So, like, we've made other connections throughout the rec league with people who we don't even like play with. And I think that is something that I've really enjoyed watching and being a part of.
0: Sarah, same question.
1: So, I think my favorite thing, and I didn't really realize it until maybe last season these last two seasons it has really been really cool to see a player from the beginning of the season to the end of the season and how they improve and their confidence gets better and you know seeing a kid like there is a couple of kids on this season's um, team that were definitely like the beginning of the year like I had questioned if they'd even played a season of baseball before or like T-ball and apparently they had, but, um, you know, there is like, you could tell that they could probably do it. Like, but you could just see that like, maybe they hadn't really been taught or maybe if they did, like they just weren't like mentally like ready to like take it in. And like, I'm not sure. But the point is, is that there are several times where like, whether it be, I know like, one of the times it was one of the players was the catcher or one of them played like second base and they like caught the ball and threw it where they were supposed to. And like the, the smile on their face of like, you know, and just looking at the coaches, like I did it, you know, I did it. And like, to me, that is literally my favorite part because seeing them work hard and then seeing them realize that they can do it if they work hard and just, you know stay consistent with and listen to the coaches and just it's just like seeing that smile and like wow I did it you know like it literally it makes me so happy like I absolutely just love it and so last you know in the spring I really started to see that and then like this season I saw a lot of it as well and I feel like you know over the next couple years it'll just continue to be like that for a little bit you know Um, until they obviously, I feel like they do get to a point where it's just kind of perfecting their skill, you know, but, um, I don't know. That's definitely, I think that's my, that's my favorite. That's what I love about it. Like youth sports is just seeing that development and that confidence increase.
0: Those light bulb moments and the, uh, the, the milestones of my first hit, my first home run, my first Mm -hmm. triple, my first double, my first double play. My first uh, time hitting off the coach, right? Uh, my mm-hmm. first time striking out. Kidding. That's kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, like there's, there are a lot of firsts, right? Uh, and I think, Sarah, to your point, as like the kids grow older, then it becomes more of, hey, this is a big moment. Can you shine in that big moment? And it's like the, uh, the old saying of the Navy SEALs, nobody rises to the occasion everybody falls back to the highest level of training that they've had. So like as the kids get older, they start to see, Hey, this is a really tight game, right? Like we need somebody to make a play, right? We need three outs. Let's get the three outs, get back in the dugout. and start our bats going. Then you get to see like, you know, Billy Bob and, and Mary Sue start to perform at a high level when there's a ton of pressure on it. And as the kids get older, they start to realize, Hey, if I don't make this out, what what can happen, right? Like I've already started getting questions of that. If I don't get this out, does this mean we're going to win this game? My advice was don't worry about that. Let's just focus on what you can control right now. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode, part one of a two-part series that will conclude
2: next week. Ashley and Sarah will be back with Nick and Tyler for some additional behind-the-scenes looks at the secret lives of coaches' Wives. The guys will follow up on an episode three conversation about practice. Ashley and Sarah open up a little bit more as they get more comfortable behind the microphone. Hope you guys enjoy and we'll catch us next week. Make sure that you follow us on our social media handles, Instagram and Twitter at Hang'em Up Pod. We will catch you guys next week.